Welcome to the brand new Man Challenge podcast. If you've been joining us in the past, what you've heard is a recording from the pavilion on the Crossings Oklahoma City campus. But we're doing something different this morning. In fact, this is going to set a new tone and trajectory for what we do henceforth. I'm Bill Search, and I'm joined by my friends Michael and Brett. Say hello, fellas. Hi. Glad to be here. And what we're going to do is, after Man Challenge, we'll convene and briefly kind of go over the big topic of of the of the day of Man Challenge that day. And so, instead of getting a recording, what you're going to get is a little bit more of a conversation pit around the big topic. And today, we kicked off a brand new series on the heart of a leader. And one of the big topics every leader has to wrestle with is, what does it mean to be determined? That every great leader is um, in their heart determined either to be a particular kind of person or to accomplish a particular type of task. So, Michael, when you hear the word determined, what's that mean to you? So when I think about undetermined, it is an undeterred desire to obtain something, whether that be uh, an objective or to, to receive something. Uh, and I think it is that undeterred is no matter what obstacle you come across, is that you will continue on towards that goal no matter what. And so that that undeterred idea is that it, it won't stop you and you will continue until you've finished. I love that. I, I think that, that it sort of gives some handholds for the whole deal. And this morning, we're looking at a passage in the Old Testament in the book of Ezra. And Ezra, if you're not familiar with who he was, he was of the priestly class, but he was a tough guy. I know in movies and a lot of like popular culture, ministers are seen as very soft hand, maybe a little bit clumsy. And Ezra was one of these guys who was fierce. He was a strong guy. In fact, there's a story about Ezra where he was so frustrated at the people that he actually ripped a chunk out of his beard. Extremely disturbing story. If I saw some preacher do that, I'm not sure I would admire the guy but I certainly would pay attention to what he said. And for Ezra, he was one of these guys that had a, a presence about him, had a leadership horsepower. And in Ezra 7, 9, and 10, it says that, that um, he was determined, God had blessed him because he was determined and he had, he had studied, he devoted himself to the study and observation of the law and teaching its decrees and laws in Israel. And so, Brett, when you hear determined, what's something in your life or something you've seen where, where um, you were determined to do something? Yeah, so whenever I think of this, I think of a time whenever I was uh, going through boot camp in the Marine Corps. Um, I was just so determined that once I started that, that I would actually finish that 12 weeks of Marine Corps boot camp. Uh, I didn't want to be recycled. And so for those of you that aren't in the military, recycled basically means that, you know, if, if you don't complete something um, or you get hurt or you're sick or you're injured, you basically get recycled to the beginning and you have to start over again. And so whatever already was the toughest boot camp to go through, I, I didn't want to have to do that again. So I was determined to finish the first time. Man, you had me at Marine Corps boot camp. How about you, Michael? Yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. I've heard stories. I've seen the movies. I don't want to do that, but I totally get you. I don't want to be like the old Diet Coke can that's been kicked around and is recycled. I, that is not a term I want applied to myself. You know, this is one of the neat parts with 
with Ezra is that he was determined. In other words, he had set his heart upon something. He he was so focused on accomplishing something. And, and that focus was on knowing God. Now we see it play out in Ezra 7 10 that that um, he it says he, you know, he's determined to study God's word, to live it out, and to teach it to other people. But it wasn't so much that he was wanting to be a master of literature. We have too many people who know, say, literature, but they don't embody the literature. You could become an expert on, on Thoreau or Emerson and know all about their, their uh, cadence of writing and the beauty of their poetry and even what they wrote about and not really embody what they were all about. And for Ezra, it wasn't like he wanted to know Genesis backward and forward. He wanted to know the God of Genesis and the way that he would know God and what God expected was through these three things. Study, uh, to put it in practice in his life, to teach it to others. So, um, guys, what's the problem if somebody doesn't study? You know, they they just go into life and they don't even know uh, what what to do or or what to teach? What happens when when we skip step number one? I think it's it's really a danger, and you see this a lot um, social media. If you're on Twitter at all, um, there's a lot of people that um, don't even tell tales out of school. They're just they're just making stuff up and trying to be experts on things and not really being very helpful. And what's end up going to happen is you're going to leave people astray. Um, you're going to tell people the wrong ways to do things. And I just did a project from YouTube the other day on pouring a concrete uh, tabletop. And it did not go well because the guy that had uh, taught the, 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 the class, I don't think also had very much knowledge or experience in doing it. And so I made a lot of mistakes and was not very happy with the, the, how my tabletop turned out. And when we're dealing with scripture, that's a whole lot more important than a concrete tabletop. It's going to have a lot longer lasting effect on people. And so if we're talking about studying the scriptures um, or, or you know, things that last for a long time, you really want to, to make it meaningful and, and understand it before you start teaching it because you're going to end up in a really bad How do you, um, that was just a technical Sound? Are we still recording? We're still recording. We're still recording. You know what? If that bothered you, I'll it was that. just something to do that. in the computer. It's okay. So, um, Brett, what's something maybe you have studied that that you didn't know and and now you do, and because you were determined to know it and you wanted to either grow in career or grow in life. Uh, whenever I was uh, laid off from my. Uh, my career of 15 years, I decided to switch careers and I studied to be a financial advisor. And so I, I had to uh, do an extensive amount of studying for my Series 7 and my 66. And uh, uh, it was probably the most studying I've done in my career. I mean, even through college, I think I didn't study as much. I, I was just, uh, I was driven and I was determined to, to to, to get this completed. Um, and I had a short window that I had to do it in uh, because that's how you make money as a financial advisor mm-hmm. is to be able to see clients. And I wasn't able to see clients until I finished that. So um, what would have happened if you became a financial or tried to be a financial advisor without studying it? I would, I would not have a good clientele. I would <laughs> sound... <laughs> Like I didn't know what I was talking about. Because you wouldn't, right? <laughs> How about this? Uh, in in uh, 
Would you trust a financial, let's shift gears here, would you trust a financial advisor who was bankrupt, who had, who was living beyond their means? Oh, absolutely not. How come? They, they weren't practicing what they're preaching. Yeah. Right. It's the, the short. And that, but that, and that is what's so striking about Ezra, is it wasn't just that he studied, because I think, I think all of us know somebody who, who may be an area expert on financial advising on maybe the Bible, on uh, business management, on conflict resolution. They're experts on these various subjects, but when it comes to their own life, absolute train wreck. So with that, how do you put this stuff into play in your life? And let's, let's shift back to the spiritual idea here that for Ezra, he was studying up on who God was, what God expected, and then he was putting it into his life. How do we best do that? How do we put this stuff into play in our lives? What we're learning? I think a lot of it's self-reflection. Uh, and that's a piece that I don't do for myself very well. Uh, and I'm going to advocate for journaling. And so, you know, you can read. And, and um, I was talking with some buddies that um, a lot of the time it's really easy to read to check that thing off the list. To say, okay, God, I did that. So now you have to bless me with something else. Um, and it's almost a barter. And whenever you do that, you're going to get nothing out of it. Um, and so for me, my, my personal practice is I find so, I get so much more out of it. Number one, if I pray before I read God's word um, and ask the Holy Spirit to come and be with me as I, which he's always with us, but to be with me as I, I read the word to reveal the truth to me. Um, and then once you're finished reading, you have to have a period of self-reflection. If you read something, it's going to go in one, one eye and out the, the ear. I don't know, in one ear or out the I other. I like your mixed metaphor. <laughs> so, I was just picturing that going through your head. but uh, like And it. so it, it's just going to leak out. And so you really have to have that self-reflection, which is why journaling can be very, very helpful for people like myself that aren't very self-reflective. And if you read something and it's not um, moved you inside at all to have any kind of um, brainwave to think about how this relates to me, me, then you, you've basically just wasted your time. And so if, if you can have some sort of self-reflection of what does this mean, because I believe that the Word of God is as irrelevant as it was when it was written and today, both places. And so we really have to have that self-reflective piece. And so that's just a general cadence for me is that I pray before I read, I read, and I think, what does this actually mean for me? What things that I can get out of it? And this is kind of interesting, too, um, when, when I'm in my best place, I always think about if somebody asks me what God's teaching me right now, what did I learn from the scripture this morning, I should be able to have an answer for that. Now, I'm not teaching that to very many people, but um, it might even be just a question for you is, is if you're having a hard time self-reflecting, is like, what would I tell someone from what I read this morning about what God had revealed to me? Um, or tonight, or whenever you do your study, and so it's it's a good practice to be able to to not let that leak out, to make it really really beneficial, and it kind of puts some of those things that Ezra did into play on your own personal time in God's Word. I love that you don't have to be you don't have to be an expert in order to pray, say God reveals something to me. You don't have to be an expert to read, and you don't have to be an expert to reflect on what you just read and how it applies to your life and then in the difference it's going to make in your life. I appreciate that because none of that requires advanced collegiate degrees in Hebrew or Latin or Greek or whatever. Right. Brett, would there be anything you'd add in that? 
in, the, in this study? No, absolutely not. I, I agree with Michael. How about that taking that next, and either of you guys feel comfortable answering this, taking that next leap. So now I'm, I'm in the mode. I'm thinking this through how I can pass this on. How does that play out in your lives or in your families and your maybe in your small groups or, or just your general community? Where has that where has that worked its way out in your life where you have studied, you put it into practice in your life, and now you're ready to pass that on? That's that's a that's a good question. I think about um, you know it, it doesn't have to be any kind of uh, formal passing on. Mm -hmm. It could be just organically. Um, the way you live and the way your maybe your children are seeing you live your life, um, or how you uh, or colleagues at, at work. Uh, I, I remember a, a quick story. I remember uh, you know a couple of years back I was uh, you know I was laid off, and um, a couple of years later a guy I used to work with just out of the blue called me and just said, you know, hey, you know, I, it, are you doing okay? You know, do you do you, you need a job? Are you have you found you landed on your feet? And he goes, you know, I've always um, loved your spirit in the office, and I could see Christ working through you in the office. Maybe when you didn't even know it wow. was, and so I just you know through your actions, yeah. you know, people can see that. So. I love that that what you say organic, organic, because sometimes we think, well, I'm not a teacher, and there are very few teachers out there, and we don't need official teachers everywhere, but we all teach in our life. You know, three of us around this table, we're all dads. We're teaching for the good or bad. We're teaching our kids constantly. Our kids are learning <laughs> how we treat our wives. We're setting a tone for the young men in our lives, how a man is to treat a woman, how we treat our wives, the respect we show for her, the love we express to her, our, our boys are seeing that, but also our, our, our girls are seeing what to expect a man. My girl's expectations of masculinity are from me. I've set that tone. The good and the bad. I'm not a perfect man, so I'm not going to pretend for a minute here that all the lessons they've learned, some of the lessons they've learned are, are the mistakes I've made. Right. And, uh, and then the, the, the confession and the repentance that comes along with that. So I... I certainly don't want to give the false impression that we all have to be perfect. That's that's what our culture says now, is you have to be a perfect human being, and none of us are. And It's one of the great messages of the gospel. So, uh, you know, capping this, Ezra had a determination in his soul. He had set his heart to know God, and he knew God through study of God's Word, through applying it to his everyday life, into passing this on to other people. What, it, do you have a just a last nugget that you'd pass on to the guys listening? A word of encouragement, challenge, that you might share with them as they're thinking through, how do I put this into, into my life? What, would, what suggestion would you offer them? I still like that idea of the organic passing on. And as you guys will spend more and more time around God's scriptures, they'll come to your mind in conversation. They'll come to your mind as you kind of hear someone else's story. You'll hear a parallel of a, a scripture or a story in scripture or some sort of thing. And, and the more you read it, the more that those will come up. And you don't have to say it every time, 
but I would challenge you as, as those are starting to, to go more and more in your own life um, in those conversations, start sharing those scriptures with people or the stories is, hey, it reminds me of, and it really will give foundation in the relationship that you have with other people, whether that be coworkers, your kids, is the more often, and sometimes my kids get an eye roll, it's like, hey, that reminds me of a scripture, <laughs> or that reminds me of a story or someone from the Bible. And mm-hmm. it gives relation to an experience that, that I'm having or you're having in parallel with God's word. And that's the foundation for us to, to be um, what we're building our life upon. And so if we can share that with others, they may not um, take it to heart, but it's something that, that you're also gonna take to heart. And, and as you speak out, what you believe, it's going to really reinforce the things that you actually are, are believing and therefore would end up doing. And so you start to see this perpetuation of reading God's Word, studying it to where you're actually living it out, to where you're teaching. And teaching doesn't have to be in front of a large group of people, and you don't have to have a PowerPoint presentation. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is that that opportunity for you just to share what God's doing in your own life, in your own heart, in your own thoughts. And the more we can do that, the scripture, um, the more we can really, really help ourselves. And as a byproduct, also lead other people towards Christ. So good. Brent, right. yeah. what so. do you think? Um, so I, I think that, uh, you know, um, just the little nugget that I could think of is uh, to to start small, right? So you, like Michael was saying, you know, as you're, as you're studying scripture, as you're, you're, you have this determination to learn something new, whether it's scripture or how to be a better leader or, you know, uh, the next greatest technology, you know, start small, you know, and, and don't don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't forget to ask for someone to, you know, mentor you or talk through this. And and even if you're only um, you starting to read scripture and you get to the the fourth word and you're already puzzled or you don't know you know what's talking about, go ahead and stop right there, right? And like you said earlier, you know, underline it, circle yes. it, and then see what God's wanting you to learn from that one right there. And it might take you a couple of days to get through one scripture right yeah. but as you're continuing to learn that i love it you know the uh, one of my heroes in in uh, in the faith guy named rick warren pastor out in southern california he says uh, i'm gonna get the it's a rough quote here is that the average american christian is educated well past their level of obedience and so you know the a challenge i'll leave us with here is is that uh you know study it for sure but put it into play in life. Don't get ahead of ourselves by teaching something we're not embodying. That's called hypocrisy, and Jesus had very harsh words for hypocrites. But to actually put it into play in our life, it's a great challenge. It's a great opportunity. And and pulling this all together, you know, and starting small in those little spots where God has a there's a there's a something you read and it just stings you a little bit. I always say that if you can read the Bible and it doesn't offend you, you're not reading it right, or you're only reading the parts you like. Read the stuff that steps on your toes, because that's what it's there for. We're not perfect people, but we serve a perfect God who redeems and forgives. And so, uh, fellows, as as you go through your week, uh, may God be with you. Thank you for joining us on this uh, brand new podcast or a new format of this podcast. Hopefully you enjoyed it. And... um, And we have enjoyed being with you. So have a great week.